Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, Minister Martin Hayden on Farm Safety Week. Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, with an update on nature restoration laws. Chagask Dry Stock Advisor, Anya O'Riordan, has some very valuable tips. Senator Tim Lombard reviews the recent Joint Rockless Committee meeting on nitrates and phosphorus in our water. First in our programme, Ms. Anya O'Riordan, Chagask Dry Stock Advisor, with some valuable tips. First of all, Anya, welcome to the programme. You're very welcome, Anya. Now, it's mid-July, give or take a couple of days. What dosing regime is needed on beef farms? Yeah, so July, I suppose, is when um, farmers dose for stomach and lung worms. Um, It's in dry weather. um, The worms migrate to the base of the grass and onto the soil. And then once the rain comes, there's like an explosion of the worms. And so we've had that. We've had the dry weather and then we've had the wet weather the last few weeks. Um, but the best practice is to seek a sample to minimise the use of doses and reduce the resistance. So this this fecal sample, so what you do is you ring the lab and they'll send you out um, the test pots and you take the samples from the younger stock, the calves or the younger animals and um, the samples are then tested. It's, it's a reasonably inexpensive test and it's easy to do. Um, you get a pool sample result and um, then you, you would dose based on your results. So um, if the results show over 200 eggs per gram, um, it means that you need to dose. Okay, so um, that's for the stomach worms. Um, fluke, it's usually not a problem this time of the year. Um, so it's important not to use a combination product as this can lead to resistance. And... Um, then the fecal test, it doesn't test for lung worms or hooves, um, but what you need to do is listen for coughing or watch out for them coughing maybe with their tongue out. They're trying to get the, the worms up from their lungs. Um, so once you see this, then you dose the whole group. And usually the cows or older animals should be resistant. It should should have resistance to, to lung worms, um, but it is possible for them to get infected. So just have a, keep an eye on them just, just to check well. But in most cases, they should be resistant. But the, the fecal sample is, allows you to, you know, you know whether your stock um, need to be dosed or not. And, you know, it might, uh, your results might show that you might not actually need to dose, you know. So it is good practice to take the, set, the, the test. On you for cows that are weaned, summer mastitis could be a risk. So, what can farmers do to prevent summer mastitis? Yeah, so autumn calving cows that are now dry um, or heifers that are calving in the autumn are at risk from summer mastitis. So, it's caused by a bacteria that's spread by the flies. And, you know, the mild, humid weather which we have at the moment is ideal conditions for flies. Um, especially if cows are grazing in damp fields and your wooded area or near high hedges, you know, where, f- where flies are, are mostly um, occurring. So, um, you know, th- what you need to watch out for is, um, and when, when you check the cows, is uh, swelling of the teeth or infected quarters. Um, you know, you might see a large number of flies gathering around the, the teeth tip 
or the cows frequently kicking at the, you know, to get the flies off. Um, and a cow with mastitis has spent more time lying down. And if left untreated, the quarter could, you know, get very infected and it could burst or, you know, could the cow could end up aborting, um, you know, or, you know, that it's important that the cows are checked daily um, for summer mastitis. And for prevention from it, you know, you can do the, the, the fly pour on, um, the treatment there to, to prevent the flies and keep that pour on um, topped up on a regular basis, depending on what the, the um, instructions are. Um, and also application of Stockholm tar onto the teeth can prevent the, the flies actually passing on the, um, if it acts as a barrier to stop the flies passing on the bacteria. Um, so yeah, just, just check the cows daily and watch for the symptoms and the, the quicker the cows are treated, once, or a cow is treated once you see the symptoms, you know, the, the best chance they have of, of um, you know, um, being cured. Now, this is Farm Safety Week. I mean, Farm Safety Week actually began 17th of July, 2023. What should farmers normally be doing for Farm Safety Week? We know, of course, every day of the year should be Farm Safety, but what should farmers be doing normally for Farm Safety Week, which this year began on 17th of July? Yeah, so, like, July is, is the most dangerous month of the year on farms. I suppose there's an awful, an awful lot of work going on. There's silage, maybe reclamation work, slurry, uh, construction, you know, a lot of dangerous jobs now being being carried out. There's there's long days, you know, so you know, people are are, are take advantage of the the time of year. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's the most dangerous month on farms as well. So, and it's also when children are off from school. So, you know, um, accidents can happen when rushing or maybe taking shortcuts. So, it's about maybe you know having a, a look around your farm, maybe make your to-do list and, and getting that to-do list done. It might be maybe putting a new cover in the PCO guard or, you know, it could be like fixing a, something that, that's on your that's on the back of your head that needs to be done. But, you know, this is the one to get it done because unfortunately, um, you know, after an accident happens, it's too late, you know, that, you know, the accidents can be prevented by, you know, keep an eye on the farm safety and, and uh, a lot of the time at the, the time of the board B inspection is when farmers get out that um, farm safety statement book but you know maybe have a think about it in July now and, and, and try and get it done um, and you know try and prevent the accidents happening on the farm. Now the MCPA spray for rushes etc what's the best practice when using MCPA? There are alternatives but say we find that someone really believes in the MCPA what's the best practice to avoid your know, contamination of streams and ultimately of course our, our own human drinking water? Yeah so the MCPA spray is used on uh, for, for the control of rushes as I said and um, it, it's water soluble um, so it does not bind to the soil particles, so it's therefore it's prone to leaching and, and to run off, um, you know, into streams and water courses. Um, and also the nature of the ground that rushes grow on, um, it's, it's poorly drained areas um, where the water table is at the surface, um, you know, so there can potentially be runoff occur. Um, and the MCP, you know, it is, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, a, a small drop of MCP entering in, into a stream or watercourse can pollute it. Um, 
you know, for drinking water. Um, so, unfortunately, it has been detected in, in, in waters in the area um, recently. So, you know, farmers need to ensure that they are, um, you know, using in best practice, like making sure that they're not using MCP when um, there's no heavy rain the forecast for 48 hours, you know, and the ground conditions are good, no standing water in the field, um, rates of application are not exceeded, and make sure to look at the what what's written on the, the product um, instructions, and the correct method of application is used, and, you know, you want calm conditions, um, you know, it's not um, very windy that the, there can be... Um, you know that the, the spray can blow from the spreader or the sprayer. Um, you want to adhere to the five meter buffer zones as well, um, so that you're keeping back a good distance from the any water courses or streams. And um, then, when you're emptying the containers, you know make sure they're triple rinsed, and also never fill your sprayer from from a water course. So, you know if you do have to use the MCP, make sure that you're you are using it correctly, and um, because you know, if these if if it is turning up in the water courses, um, you know, it, it, it these these waters are for human consumption and for drinking water. So, you know, these products would be taken off the market if they're not used correctly. Um, there are other non-chemical methods of um, of controlling rushes. You know, having good stocking and appropriate stocking rates and grazing the rushes will help to to reduce it. Or topping or mowing the rushes are also appropriate drainage in the fields where it can help. So, you know, oil MCP, you know, is used on farms. There are alternatives to it as well, you know. Um, but if you are using it, make sure that you are using it correctly. Of course. Now, finally, Anya speaking to Miss Anya O'Riordan, dry stock advisor, Chagas, Kodra McCroom, County Cork in the best of the county. Anya, finally, farmers have been receiving text messages in relation to the fodder support scheme. What do they need to do? Yeah, so that fodder support scheme, um, the 2023 application actually went in in the end of last year. And the it was put in, the, the same number of hectares were put in the application for 23 as it was in 22. So the reason why the farmers were receiving text this week was from the department to say that the amendments for the fodder scheme are now open. So say, for example, if a farmer put in um, for seven hectares of um, silage to be cut last year, but this year um, they're only cutting five hectares, that can be amended. But the amendments can only made down, be, be made downwards. You can't make amendments upwards if you are cutting more silage this year. Um, so, look, there's, there's a lot of farmers wondering what the, the text message was about that they got from the department. But you only need to, to take any um, action if you are cutting less silage as you did last year. That's perfect. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Anya O'Riordan, Dry Stock Advisor, Chagask, Kodra McCroom, County Cork. Thank you, Anya, very much indeed. Thanks, Thank- Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Senator Tim Lombard, the Fine Gael Agricultural 
panel member and also the Finnegan spokesperson on agriculture, food and the marine. Tim, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event took place on Wednesday, 19th of July. It was a meeting, a joint Eurocracy Committee meeting on agriculture, food and the marine. The EPA and the IFA were both before this committee to discuss nitrogen and phosphorus concentrations in Irish waters in 2022. You made a very measured but substantial contribution to the proceedings. Could you outline to our listeners the gist of your contribution and some of the very important issues which arose, not least Tim League and whether Tim League in West Cork was being taken into account by the EPA when monitoring concentrations of NNP? It was a very significant meeting of the Joint Tractors Committee. Um, it really was. Basically, we are this report published by the EPA with a major impact on whether or not we maintain our derogation. That means that we'll actually be able to have uh, our derogation limits up to 250, which we have at the moment regarding nitrogen. Uh, this report was a, a comprehensive report brought forward by the EPA, but there is questions that need to be answered around it. Um, some, of the, some of the terminology, some of the practices regarding the EPA were looked into. Um, it was a significant long day in many ways. And what we were trying to get to the bottom of was that the EPA are producing a report that says that our water quality, uh, the trend in our water quality is still declining. While the report and the information we're getting from the Timaleague catchment and the good work being done down in Timaleague would show us something different. So at the moment down in Timaleague, we have literally 2,500 cows in a catchment down there that's monitored by Tigest at the moment. It's been monitored for the last 14 years. The water is tested below in that location every 10 minutes. And we're having a scenario that they're now showing that the nitrate level in that catchment is on a reduction. And I think that has to be acknowledged. I think Tiger should have been very strong in that. While the EPA are testing their bodies of water once a month, and they're showing that there's a minor or a slight increase. And I was trying to make the point that if you're literally having a test once every 10 minutes and showing one thing, which is a positive trend, for us as an agricultural community, and the other testing regime that's in place showing a negative trend that should incorporate both of them into the report. Unfortunately, they're not. This EPA report was based strictly on their own testing. And there's huge issues regarding the loading of the area. In other words, when they look at the body of water and the loading of the body of water, they look at different aspects to it. They take the amount of bovines in that area itself. But they're not looking into how many of those bovines are actually working off a farm that has a derogation. And those derogation farms have a different practice. In other words, they spread different fertilizers, they have a different issue of spreading slurry, they have more uh, restrictions on regarding storage of soil water. All these implications aren't taken into consideration on the actual catchment of the loading. And I think that's a flaw when you look at how they're actually calculating the whole. Uh, results that are brought forward. It was a really significant debate. Um, I hope it was courteous. I'd like to think it was, because it was a very important debate. But I just do think that this issue about water quality and you know, that we are climate deniers or we're not taking the science on board isn't really fair. In many ways, what we're really trying to get to the bottom of here is that in the last maybe three years, we brought forward 31 different measures. Even last January, we brought forward banding. And we have to have time for these measures to work. 
EPA made a very unusual statement during the proceedings yesterday that they said some of these measures can see results within 24, well, within 12 months. I have never, and I, the IFA expert that came after was questioned as well, I have never seen any um, scientific evidence to prove that measures can be measured in that length of time. I think it's a longer time frame is required. I think that's the key issue that we had in this entire debate. We've seen a huge increase in our dairy um, power over the last years, but the nitrate has only gone up by something like 0.7 of a percent in that 12-year period. And if, if anything, they're going down now if you take into consideration the actual activity catchment itself. So this debate was really significant, but there's more to come. I think that's the most important thing. We're going to have a really significant debate over the summer. I'm expecting we'll have the minister brought before the committee because there's issues regarding how the minister would have agreed to the so-called Article 12 two years ago. This Article 12, which is broken into four different elements, um, is very hard for the actual agriculture industry to actually um, meet all four of them in such a short space of time. I think they will reach them all in time, but to do it in a two-year period just wouldn't happen. So... The derivation is a really important part of the dairy industry. And I'll just give you one figure, John. In I think it was 2022, the dairy industry in Cork alone for 3.2 billion euros, milk checks to the actual farming community itself. We have 59 milk plants dotted around Ireland, not in urban towns, in small villages and towns around Ireland. They are core drivers in our community. So we need to make sure that this derivation is kept to make sure we can have the supply of milk to keep our 59 milk banks going and to make sure the future for our dairy industry going forward. We have a very sustainable dairy industry. I think in the European model, it's quite unique. It's based off grass. And I think that has to be taken into consideration as well when you're looking at what we're talking about here. But this is probably one of the most significant debates that you want to have regarding the future of dairy in Ireland. And I think trying to make sure we keep our 250 is the priority. And that's why that, the debate we had on Wednesday was so important. There's more to come to make sure we can actually keep our delegation and keep our 250. And indeed the chairperson of the meeting, Jackie Cal, the Fiddafold chairperson, he persisted in getting an answer because he pointed out the European Union levels which were set as being satisfactory and meeting targets. He wanted to get agreement that yes, current latest figures taking into account Timid Eag and other areas of monitoring, he wanted to get an answer, an admission from the other people there that in fact we were meeting the EU target and he was most persistent until he got uh, agreement on that point, I understand, watching it. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot of focus on that point, that, you know, the graph on page 11, which has been spoken about in so many ways, which shows the actual water quality uh, for the last 12 years. There's been a slight movement in water quality from literally five or 7.5 up to 8.2, a 0.7 of a percent increase in about 12 years, uh, which is within the threshold. And I think that was the point that the chairman was making. The threshold was uh, a point one of a difference over a 12-year period. So we're, we're really within that threshold quite clearly. And I think that point was made forcefully that even with the EPA results brought forward, that we're within the actual threshold of where we're going with our actual body for water. And if you look at where we're going with our um, bodies of water, 
really where we have to look at like it's a quite an amazing figure that you know since 2018 our actual satisfaction water has like the amount of water bodies that have gone up through the actual ranks has increased quite dramatically so we are making progress here and we're making significant progress but we have to acknowledge the actual work being done by the farming community like the changes the farming practices looks quite immense like like we brought in banding, reduction nitrogen, we've shortened the fertilising spreading window, we've increased storage of soil water in particular, storage of other um, slurries have been increased as well, we've reduced the actual protein of rations, and we've restricted ploughing at certain times of year, first of May for receiving. Like we brought forward all these proposals, but they all need time, and that's what this debate was about. This debate was about trying to make sure that the farming practices that we've brought forward, some of them since last January only, need time to actually work. And we've seen that there is movement. And Tim League has proved that. Like, Tim League is quite a, an amazing experiment. Literally over 2,500 cows. Um, majority, if not all, are in delegation, all using the real appropriate farming practices that, that I just spoke about. And you'll see that in highly dense highly populated catchment area, there is a reduction in the nitrogen. And that testing happens once every 10, 10 minutes, which is as good as you get anywhere in the world. So our argument really is we're trying to follow the science here. And I think as much as people are developing the same Twitter and everything else, we are not climate deniers, we're not science deniers. If anything, we are, we are, we've read into this topic We've read the reports by the ECA, we've read the Tangus reports regarding everything that has been brought forward. And off the back of it, the conclusion has to be that when you do the actual good work on the ground that they're doing in Timothy, the results will come. But we need now to have that happen all over Ireland and we need time to prove it. Like the expert brought forward by the, EP, by, um, the IFA showed quite clearly that this will take time. It takes time for nitrogen to actually go out of water bodies. It doesn't happen by turning off a tap here. So we just need that time to deliver the water quality that's been looked upon for Ireland. And the other thing here is, if you compare the Irish water quality to places like Germany or to the mainland Europe, it's fantastic water quality. So we can't be beating ourselves up too much either here. We do things good here. We do things well. We've been proactive, we've followed the science, we've tagged behind us all the way, and there's an awful lot of good work being done here. But to be political here, I think this will come down to a political decision in so many ways. We need to make sure that the Minister comes out and back first now, because we've kind of opened the Pandora box yesterday, and I'm happy to be a part of that debate. It's now about trying to make sure we can move forward to actually get the Minister to work with the Commission to make sure they take on board in particular the good work that's happening in Tim League and by Eddie Burgess and the rest of the Tagish team down there, that that's a part of the debate to prove good, that we are moving the right direction when it comes to water policy. And Senator Lombard, Tim, in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, they mentioned that Fianna Fáil MEP Billy Kelleher has requested that the European Commission Vice President Franz Timmermans and Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski would visit Ireland, would visit here before any decision is made on our nitrate derogation. And I think that's a really important point. My understanding here, and I'm open for 
for correction that the Commissioner for Agriculture has never been in Ireland. And I think it's really important that that Commissioner comes and looks at what we do here. We're a grass-based system. We're totally different to the European model when it comes to agriculture. And I think that has to be seen on the ground. And I've spoken to the Taoiseach about this when he was in Timberley with me two weeks ago, that the need for uh, the Commission and the Commission officials to be a part of this debate and for them to come to Timberley and come to Cork and come to Ireland is really important. If we have a reduction in the in the nitrates, we're going to have a reduction in our um, in our hard pro, hard profile, and obviously we're going to have a huge loss of income here, and that's really significant for our entire communities. Thank you very much indeed, Senator Tim Lombard, the Finnegan Agriculture Panel member, and also the Finnegan spokesperson on agriculture, food, and marine. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thank you, Tom. You're very welcome. We are joined on the farm programme by Minister Martin Hayden. Minister, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event. It happens every year. The Farm Safety Week began this year, 17th of July. But, of course, farm safety is all the year round. But your recommendations for farmers during this very important, vital Farm Safety Week 2023? Yes, look, delighted to have worked with, in conjunction with IFA, John, on uh, what is a really important week. Obviously, farm safety is something that is foremost in our mind all year round but it is a great opportunity for us to bring home the message to farmers in this particular week at a time of the year that is probably the most dangerous time of the year on farms school holidays are on children are around there's a lot of exciting activity happening between harvest time uh, and whatnot and you know it is a time where we need to be extra, extra vigilant so my main message to farmers this week has been in light of the fact that we are the most dangerous profession in the country by some distance it's you know, we're trying to change farmers' attitude to risk. We're trying to get farmers to identify the hazards on their farm more easily. And then we're given the support through investment in TAMS, in the farm safety measure uh, for 2023 and beyond to give that financial support to farmers to make the changes to make their farm safer. But ultimately, what we need farmers and their families to do is to walk around their farm with a new set of eyes. Bring a notebook with you from the children to the farmers, to the spouse, to the grandparents, and look at all aspects of the farmyard, how the farm operates, the busy times of the year, and where are the hazards, and what changes can we make, whether it's investment, whether it's small changes, can we make to make that farm safer? And I guarantee you by doing that, we will save lives and we will reduce the amount of life-changing injuries also. Now, to avoid being ageist in the modern parlance we use, you often pose the question, how is it that so many farmers in their 70s appear to be losing their lives in farm safety incidents? You might have an answer to that or the answer you've been given. Well, the answer to that very clearly, John, is that it's because we have so many farmers still farming in their 70s. And, you know, that is a challenge and that brings up all of the complexity around farm safety and the challenges in this area. We have people doing jobs on their own because of the shortage of labour um, and all the rest, where, you know, there are probably two people jobs and they're doing them on their own. Um, and when we get to a certain age, the mind is still willing, but the body and the reflexes maybe aren't as quick as they were previously. So we might take that chance with a cow or a heifer or a bull that, that previously we would have been able to sidestep that now we can't. And that is to be seen across the, t the statistics that um, an awful lot of our incidents do involve farmers of, a, of an older age that in most other professions would be retired at that point and wouldn't be as centrally involved. So that's why I think, you know, when we talk about farm safety, when we talk about farmer health and well-being, um, you know, where farmers have a really important role to play 
in the farm when they are at that stage in life that they have that knowledge and that life experience but succession is a really important part here we've a lot of farmers stressed about succession farm families and single farmers who maybe don't have an obvious successor identified or who maybe haven't had that conversation and we need to support ways better and it's something I hope to be able to find more resources for in the upcoming budget that we can progress uh, the area of succession um, and to make it more central to farmers' lives because, you know, it is a cause of major stress and concern and it also is a contributing factor to farm safety figures. And, you know, we pay great attention to getting new blood, younger blood, so to speak, into farming, but the MACRA payment proposal, you might comment briefly on that MACRA payment proposal, what it actually is and how you feel it might uh, figure in our budgets, forthcoming budgets. Yeah, I recently met Mokra with the Taoiseach and previously uh, I, I met him as well with Mr. McConnellogue and they have a, a, a succession plan uh, which talks about paying farmers a, a set rate every week uh, to effectively retire. And, you know, I am, we had a good engagement on it and we'll engage further around the finer details of their proposal. But I am very mindful that the previous retirement scheme, you know, was very onerous on farmers. You had very fit and healthy farmers in their late 50s who who took up the scheme and then were afraid to get caught walking across the yard carrying a bucket for fear that they would be criminalised and lose everything and all the back pay that would go with that. And, you know, I would argue that those farmers have a lot to contribute to the farm, but they, don't, they shouldn't have to feel that they have to do all of the physical work if they, if they don't feel up to that. So it's as much about incentivising the next generation coming on. The additional supports we have around uh, farm partnerships with young trained farmers, excuse me, the uh, approach we have to long-term leasing and the changes made there that have increased land mobility um, and access for younger trained farmers, they're all really key important points um, here as well. And I, I think, you know, we have to talk about it in the round. It's not just about having a retirement scheme or an, or an exit scheme. It, it is absolutely about the broader holistic element of what would the next generation, how, how are they attracted in um, in many respects. Could we look at the beef exports to China question? China, a vast market, but of course we don't seem to have cracked the market. Now, technically, there have been developments, but be announced that the Chinese are willing to accept our beef on quality grounds. There's no problem there, apparently. But how do you see the beef exports developing to China? And why is it so important to try and wean ourselves off insofar as we can within reason from the UK market? They're making agreements with New Zealand, Australia, Trans-Pacific, etc. But beef exports to China, what's your reading of the potential there? So I was out in China in April and Minister McConnell was out as well in May. And we regained access in January after a long process of trying to regain access to the Chinese market, which we lost abruptly in, in 2020. And that was a very significant loss for us and for the industry here in Ireland and for our Irish beef farmers because it was growing into a very significant market for us uh, from a slow beginning. And similarly, from January to in the first quarter of this year, um, we, we sold just over €5 million Euros worth of beef into China. So that is a slow start. Um, but if you take it, we have to rebuild all the relationships that are there. Borbia did their best on the ground to try and maintain relationships with key customers out there. But the fact is that, you know, it's very hard to maintain a, a relationship with a customer that you can't sell produce to. And that's the space we were in until January. Now that we're back in, we've had my visit out there in April, as I Mr. McConnell in May. Um, we had a group of Chinese buyers coming to Ireland at the end of th this month. Um, and there's a number of other trade promotions organised for 
August and September. And I expect that volume and value of what we're exporting to China to increase significantly. It is a very specific uh, specification that China will accept. Um, uh, frozen boneless uh, 30-month uh, beef, you know, and that is a specific market, but it is a really important um, additional market for us, as are all of the new markets that I work on to try and open and to get for industry. Because the fact is, we sell over 50% of our beef to the UK still. We sell about 37% of all of our food and drink exports go to the UK. They're a really important market for us. We don't want to walk away from that. But we are mindful that the, EU, the UK is continuing to do trade agreements with third countries like Australia and New Zealand, as you've outlined. The level of access they are giving uh, to those countries for beef and lamb is really startling. Um, you know, you could argue that the, the British farmer has been greatly sold out by Brexit and by the trade deals that have been done. But that will put our position in the British market under significant pressure. We'll fight our corner. We are very trusted with the British consumer, and I believe we can make a good battle there. We're not ceding ground, but the smart play from an Irish perspective is absolutely to diversify our risk and our dependency on that UK market. Thank you for your valuable time, Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Minister Martin Hayden. Thank you, Minister, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Noel, welcome to the programme. In the journal this week, you give a very concise update in the Irish Farmers Journal, 22nd of July, 2023. And the headline there is, the EU nature restoration law, where does that go from here? We're just kind of starting to see where the law might start to finally go, what, what, the, what the end could be. But there is still a lot of work, as we kind of cover off in the journal, to be done. So the final round of talks for this nature restoration law, very controversial, and I'm sure you would have covered it off as we were we covered it off as well in the journal, kind of move by move, a very significant law for farmers in Ireland. And there is a lot of concern there for the farming community. So after a vote in the European Parliament last week, these final round of talks can start. And essentially, we have three people sitting at the table, three different bodies that are all looking for three different versions of the law. So the European Parliament, where we send our 13 MEPs, they're looking for kind of the, the loosest version of the law. They're looking for the most flexibility. And they're even looking to drop the whole section on rewetting, which kind of flared up as a, an issue particularly for, for Ireland, um, farmland rewetting. They want to drop that completely out of the, the final version that comes into play. Then we have the member states. Um, so these would be all the environment ministers from across the EU. They're looking for a little bit of flexibility, but not much. And finally, then, the, the third person here sitting at the table will be the European Commission, which put forward the law itself last year. And they'd be looking for kind of the, the strictest version of the law with the highest targets. Um, so there's these three bodies, they're going to come down. And the idea of these talks, they're known as trilogues, is that essentially they'll be able to find something that's acceptable to all three. You point out it could be the end of the year before this is finally signed off on 
the trilogues between the European Commission, Council of Ministers and European Parliament. Yeah, so that's kind of the the date that, that keeps coming up, like December 2023, um, when they want to have it all finalised. And there will be one last vote by the MEPs when they come up with the final version. Um, but it is looking like it could be um, 2023 when it is signed off this year that we're in now. So that would allow the law to come into effect um, on the 1st of January 2024. Um, and there's some that that would be very significant if it did, because the state is going to be legally obliged to go out into all these habitats, which range from just peatlands and like there's farmland on, on, on peat soils as well right up into kind of mountainous areas and um, there'd be waterways and everything and the state will have to map out all these habitats see what kind of condition they're in now and then draw up a plan within two years on how they're going to restore every single one of these over the next two two and a half decades so once it's signed into law that's it there, there's no really going back and um, so that's kind of what these talks are all about um, so even though it might seem like the end of the year is a long time away when we're charting out a law that's going to, you know, put legal requirements on the state right up until 2050, like there is a lot of issues that need to be ironed out. So um, when you start going down at a granular level and really looking at the detail of it, it, it isn't a whole lot of time for how much this law could potentially impact Irish farmers for, for a whole generation. And again, elsewhere in the journal, in another separate uh, half-page article, derogation concerns mount for heavily invested farms. And of course, linked in with this is the environment, water quality, nitrates, the nitrates directive, derogation, etc. And again, you point out, you know, the derogation is another problem for people who, when the quota was abolished, the EU quota was abolished, then people invested heavily, took on huge commitments, and now they're being told, oh, well, we have to reverse policy. Yeah, so this is another area that's kind of flaring up as as being controversial and divisive. Um, and you can you can nearly draw it with the farmers on one side and maybe environmental groups on the other. Um, so essentially, the, there's talks basically ongoing at the minute between the Department of Agriculture and the European Commission to see if we can keep the derogation as it is, or to see which areas can keep the, the derogation as it is. Um, so last year it was agreed that if any area suffers a decline in water quality that um, it'll have to drop from a maximum stocking rate of 250 kilos per hectare down to 220. And the EPA came out about two weeks ago with a map saying that based on the tests it's done and how it applied the criteria that the European Commission set out, that almost all of the country would have to have this drop, the drop down to 220. And even though the decision hasn't yet been made or we don't know which areas might be included or or might not for final um it is starting to kind of have ripple effects through the sector and and one of the areas we looked at this week was lending so some people who might have been stocked at this higher level of 250 kilos kind of what does that mean for for the loans that they have now because when they would have t- taken out the loans they would have taken them out based on x number of cows on whatever area of land they have, be it owned or or rented land. And they could be faced with either 
have additional costs in going out to get more land or they might have to just drop down numbers and that's obviously going to affect how much um, cash is there in the system for them to pay back their, their land and whatever facilities, whatever investments they made. Um, and Bank of Ireland um, told us that they're doing a full review of their dairy sector lending and AIB told us that um, they keep all lending under a constant review but any of these derogation decisions they are going to impact um, they, they are going to impact any loans that it gives out in the future um, so the, you know there is two kind of cohorts of farmers affected here the ones who already have the loans and the ones who could be going looking for loans um, and it would be primarily the dairy sector almost exclusively the dairy sector that's affected or or dairy farms I suppose that would be in nitrates derogation but there are some beef farms as well. Mr Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you Noel very much indeed. Thanks a million. We are joined on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme by uh, Deputy Michael Collins, Cork West uh, based. First of all Michael, welcome to the programme. You might please remind our listeners about a very important event upcoming and your own involvement in this Yes, indeed. I'm a member of the Skull Show Committee. Uh, uh, me and, and many other members, there's Billy Wolf and Jimmy O'Donovan and Siobhan O'Donovan and Bernie O'Regan and Michael O'Mahony and John Welch. We've been, in the last number of years, trying to put together a, a fantastic show for people, as other shows have uh, choked West Cork. So the Skull Agricultural Show will take place Sunday the 30th of July. And we, we, we obviously will be praying for a, a beautiful and fine day, but we must certainly welcome everybody uh, from, from West Cork and beyond because it, it, it has an international flavour as such because it's a holiday area and people have come from all over the world to previous shows uh, as we've seen last year. But certainly Sunday, the 30th of July, Skull Agriculture Show takes place in the Town Park in Skull. As regards access? Absolutely. We, we have uh, arranged a shuttle bus, which uh, will be um, opposite the hotel in, in, in Skull, so people get a, a flavour uh, and maybe relax and t- take the bus on the, on the scenic route up into the, the show field in Skull, so at least people you know, can can easily avail of parking uh, very, very close to the grounds because, uh, in fairness, the McSweeney family across the road have always been very, very helpful to us and they've allowed us to use their field parking but uh, coupled with that there's parking on the grounds itself and there's sort of ample parking but we have the shuttle bus which is great in fairness to everybody involved there and the volunteers that help to give us the bus and, and allow us use it as a shuttle all day long up and down bringing and taking people the whole day long from early morning uh, from about maybe 10 30 onwards that bus is in operation but also people can drive up and they'll have careful parking and they'll feel comfortable there because there's so much on john there's so much to offer we have, we, we're so lucky to have the country market, which is uh, world-renowned in Skull. And they, in fairness, they're very, very good to us. They move uh, from where they're based in Skull, very close to Skull Town, up to the town park where the show fields will be. Uh, and, and they have such an array of, of food and of goods and all homemade um, uh, food, as such an, uh, locally made food. And, and other provisions also, like uh, there's artists and there's uh, fantastic people there that will be a, a huge addition to any show, but it's a fantastic addition to the Skull Agricultural Show on the 30th of July. But we also have indoor entries, obviously, you know, the baking section, the flower section, uh, vegetable section, uh, needlework, craft work. So there's a, a vintage uh, display and that will be taking place around 12 o'clock. There's a dog show. There's a sheep dog trials, there's sheep shearing going on, uh, there's an animal road show, 
uh, a tug of war. A lot of the events are, we're moving things as early as possible between maybe, you know, I know it's be starting around half nine, ten o'clock, but really in earnest it'll be starting 11 or 12 because there's an All-Ireland final to be watched and we have a, a television taken out uh, to make sure that that's in the clubhouse so people that want to watch the All-Ireland final can go down and watch the All-Ireland final. There's a tug of war, as I said, there's the working hunters taking place, the best dresser, uh, there's a fun children corner, there's an absolute array of events taking place in the Skull Agricultural Show. Something for everybody. That's the way we'd like to say it. It's a family show. We welcome everybody. We just sincerely keep our fingers crossed. We'll have a lovely dry day like we've had in other years. And we've been so lucky there. And we would love if people would join us on the day. I think we can guarantee them an enjoyable day for both the small kids and, and the grown adults on Sunday the 30th of July in the Skull Egg Culture Show in Skull Town Park. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Much appreciated. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. The Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am Saturday mornings and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.